Hello, and welcome to our Secular Sponsor Speaker Series. Each week we hear from an Overeaters Anonymous member who has attained and maintained abstinence without God and has served as a sponsor to other members. The series also provides opportunities for secular OA members who don't have a sponsor or are interested in exposure to a variety of points of view to learn from the experience of others. We encourage everyone to sponsor others up to the level of their own recovery and to use these tools with each other as peers. If you are willing to sponsor or to work as a peer, please post a message at secular.overeaters.community at gmail.com. Again, the email address is secular.overeaters.community at gmail.com. For additional information about abstinence without God, go to secularovereaters.org. And now, let's hear from this week's Secular OA sponsor. Hi, I'm Alan, a grateful recovering food addict. And um, as Jim mentioned, we're going to be a little bit different. We're not going to do the modeling piece because it just doesn't fit well for this topic. The topic today is mindful eating. So just a, a little background on me, then I'll talk about mindful eating, um, and then we'll break into small groups and have a conversation about it. So um, just the classic photo thing, I've been in OA about uh, 30 years. My top physical weight was 335 pounds. There's one photo like that. I'm about 150 pounds you know, under my top weight. Of my 30, 31 years in OA, I've been abstinent about 25 or 26 of them, um, not back-to-back, a few relapses in there. Currently, I have, uh, like I guess, about six years. At one point, I had 14 years. So that's that's kind of that, the basics. Just a little bit about my, my OA background. Um, I, I, I came from a, a pretty challenging background. I didn't have a father, raised by a mother and grandmother. My mother struggled with mental illness, at least severe depression, maybe schizophrenic, couldn't hold down a job. And so I, um, we were raised on public assistance in New York City, and it was a very difficult place to live, among other things. Um, there was a lot of crime and violence in the neighborhood. Um, I was uh, beaten up multiple times just walking through the street for no other reason than um, I didn't quite fit in. Um, literally almost beaten to death once with a baseball bat, had my face punched in severely. I mean, I literally would go to school each day thinking, how can I not get jumped? I mean, literally, I was you know fearful for my basic safety for good reason. That was further magnified by my mother's depression, which, among other things, came out. She had multiple suicide attempts. And starting when I was maybe 10 or 11, started asking me to commit suicide with her. I literally have memories of my mother handing me a glass of water and a bottle of pills and literally saying, our life is hopeless. You don't have a father. You're getting beat up. Let's just leave the world and die with me together. And I would literally, literally beg for my life that I didn't want to die. I didn't want her to die. You know, just a, just a horrific thing to put a child through, to put anyone through. And, um, you know, at the earliest age, um, the thing that I did put in my mouth that made me feel better was food was was M&Ms and candy and ice cream and you know, I won't go through it all but you know I just lived for that truck that came with the frozen stuff and getting into the candy store and whatever was in the refrigerator uh, when I was 13 my mother took the sleeping pills didn't die but because of the attempts she lost legal guardianship of me uh, I lost my grandmother earlier from a stroke and at that point I was an orphan at 13 um, and went into a foster home and was ready to foster home after that, which was also not the best place, but it was probably better than the place I had. And 
I would say at the earliest age, my eating became mindless as opposed to mindful. You know, the term mindfulness is used a lot just to be present and aware of what's going on versus just lost in, in thought and other things. And I was just, you know, lost in a food fog um, so much of my life because that was the only thing I knew. And uh, it, it was just kind of a mindless eating. Essentially, it became, um, it became a way to numb you know, like if I had enough sugar, particularly sugar as a kid and candy, that if I just had enough sugar, I would just kind of be numbed out on uh, on that. And I just saw it every which way I could. Fat by age 14, you know, 200 pounds, husky kid, you know, et cetera. And I uh, went to college, got to the right weight for college. And in college, they had unlimited food. You know, the cafeteria, you just swipe the card and anything you can eat. And I just lost it and just ate and ate and ate. I doubled my weight in four years. I gained 170 pounds. It was just like I knew I was done eating when I had so much abdominal pain that I couldn't put anything else in me. I mean, I would just eat till physical pain. And, and that was how I knew I was done. You know, I mean, that's a, I, mean, I was a really, you know, I like talking about a food addict. I was a food addict with like a capital 72 point bold red A. You know, I was just face down in the food for quite a while. Came into OA. My first meeting was in a church. And they talked about God with the 12 steps. You know, the 12 steps have God in it a few times. And then people started talking about Jesus Christ, you know. And I was like, wow, this is a Christian fellowship, you know, obviously, right? In the church, you talk about Jesus. And so I'm like, I'm not Christian, you know, so I just didn't come back. Luckily, um, seven years later, a friend took me to an OA meeting, and they weren't talking about Jesus. They were talking about how people ate like crazy, mindlessly ate mounts and didn't do it anymore and lost weight. And that's what I wanted. I did not want to be fat, and I did not want to eat like a starving animal you know, which is how I ate and more so ate poor things like a starving animal. At least a starving animal might make healthier choices, but not me. And so I feel like, you know, I, in this, in some ways, this is a disease of mindless eating where food just takes on a life of its own. You know, when you think about it, it's the most basic thing in the world, right? Like you take a piece of food and you put it in your mouth or you don't, right? Like it's my hand, my mouth, is there anything more I can control than my hand or my mouth, right? It's such a fundamental thing. And the fact that I don't have this ability when it comes to food, you know, that's uh, uh, my mind is no longer functioning, right? Like my cognitive executive function is out to lunch in that situation. Something else has kicked in. And so some of the things that drove me was this big, like, fear of it's never enough. I mean, just this incredible fear. It's never enough. I remember in the foster home, you know, there was four other, there was six of us in the foster home. And when the plate came out, you know, for the dinner, I was always afraid I couldn't get my seconds and thirds. You know, I was like watching other people's plates and when everyone got some and then which piece I would get, you know, just this intense obsession over the food. You know, one of my fears was I'd, I'd be told by my foster parents I've had too much and I couldn't have any more. I'd often want to pop it on my plate when they were looking the other way, you know, like it was this fear that I wouldn't get enough and there really never was enough, you know, just little, I didn't even know what I was eating. I just knew that when I felt full, you know, it was just this big blur. I would sneak eat between meals, uh, you know, eat while standing. I'd love to look into a refrigerator and just, what could I poke out and pull out and eat? And all I knew is, you know, I'd close the door and I'd be stuffed, you know? Um, so 
that's kind of like what mindless eating was like for me in some of my story. So talk this concept of mindful eating. In 1991, I went to a treatment center for people who were like, you know, really hurting a residential treatment for food addiction, 30 days. And um, they had this thing called a gentle breakfast where they, for breakfast, they played this kind of sweet, kind, maybe new agey music and a guided voice told us to very slowly pick up our fork and look what's on our fork and look at it and breathe it and touch it and slowly eat it and put it down. And, you know, it was like this 30 minute meditation to eat a bowl of oatmeal. And at first I thought it was kind of weird, but you know, you're, you're there, you go with it, you know, and, but, but it was okay. And then um, some years later I was at an OA retreat and they did the same thing. And then I found that a number of OA retreats, they were doing these gentle breakfast things, sometimes with different tapes, people would guide it, they'd have readings, but it was like a thing, this gentle breakfast, which, you know, was my first introduction to mindful eating. And then um, a couple of years ago, I just started to think, you know, even though I have some time in OA and some success in OA that I've kept my weight off, I still was aware that, you know, my, my joke was if I finish my food before my dog one of us had a problem and it wasn't the dog, you know, and I still was a very fast eater. And, you know, um, one of the prices I paid for it was, you know, my always shirt on, but that I would get food all over my shirts, you know, like I would stain my clothing because I would eat so fast. I, I literally would purchase from Costco that the stain remover and I would get it like six packs of stain remover, you know, because like, every shirt got stained every day, you know, like you needed to squirt it down, like unless you wanted to buy new clothes every week, you know? So like that was kind of how I was eating even after a lot of time in OA, like way too fast and way too messy. And so I decided to start up really try to work mindful eating as a process. And I've been doing that now imperfectly for, you know, a couple of years or so. And I, and I find it helpful the first thing I'll say is that um, I'm going to just describe what I, what I do. Everyone has to, you know, to figure this thing out in their own ways. Um, every morning, I envision my mindful eating process before I actually touch my food. You know, like in the morning, you know, when, I, when I'm meditating or taking a walk or something, I visualize what mindful eating will look like for that day. And then when I actually sit down in front of my meals, and I usually just do this twice a day for lunch and dinner, is I think of it as five breaths. And, um, and I, in the first breath, I just say to myself, what am I about to eat? I mean, I just look at it, you know, when you think about it, putting food into your mouth and into your body is like, it's not the most intimate thing you do. It's really a, you're taking life of another kind of plant or animal and adding it to your life. It's a very intimate thing. You know, you taste it, you feel it. It's, you can get more, well, I suppose you could argue some things are more intimate, but it's up there, you know, and. So I just look at like, what is this? You know, like, is it, you know, is it a stew? What kind of vegetables are in it? How is it prepared? How does it smell? Like, oh, this is the thing that's I'm about to put into me. Like, just take a breath, you know, a few seconds and think about it. You know, that's like my first count. My, my second count is um, how can I bundle it on my fork or spoon so it doesn't end up on my shirt or my clothes? You know, because again, I have this, you know, I'm like throwing it into my mouth practically, you know, and I really, I actually like think through, like you're going to cut it and put it in little bundles and, you know, like it'll fit and how much do I put on the spoon? And then I try to actually like, like look at it and go, wow, this is, this will transport to my mouth without visiting my clothing. You know, it's like a direct line. And so I just think about the, 
The second, how I actually put it on my utensils. The third is I think about once it's in my mouth, how will I make it um, a mindful experience? Because that's ultimately it's like, you know, it's in your mouth. And some of the things I think about is like tasting it like, oh, a tomato. What does a tomato taste like? You know, like, oh, yeah, that's a tomato. That's what a tomato tastes like. Oh, a cucumber. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of like, what does it taste like? The texture. A big part of it is just going slower. You know, like I used to be like chomp, swallow, chomp, swallow. Right. And now it's like, you know, some people like count their chews. I find that a little bit anal. But, you know, I just try to take more chews, slower, you know, just just really experience um, this food that I'm eating. And, you know, food is one of my favorite things, abstinent or not. Like I'm a food addict. I like food. I mean, I suppose most people like food, right? It's such a strong driver and our culture is all about types and tastes and food, right? We're like a food country, food culture. So like there's this thing I get to do three times a day you know, enjoy it, <laughs> like enjoy it. It's not about getting it done in five minutes, you know, um, this isn't, you know, putting gas in my car. This is experience I like. And so, and then to take pauses, you know, pauses between the bites, just pauses as I go through it. Um, so that's the third thing, right? So the first is I look at what I'm going to eat. The second is I think how I'm going to get it into my mouth. The third is to mindfully eat it, having some plan. Sometimes I just focus on slower chews or the taste. The fourth one is, parking my utensils i'm like i had such poor habits around eating that i can like just sort of throw my fork and knife on the plate so the handle actually like gets salad dressing on it or the handle gets you know like i can get my handles dirty and lo and behold you get handles dirty you get food on your fingers and i get food other places you know like all over my partner will point out how i can get food on doorknobs and refrigerator handles and she you know, we'll point that out in the nth degree. So just keeping food off my fingers starts with keeping food off my handles. So I just figure out where will I actually put that utensil so it's in a good resting place. And then the fifth idea is I try to check in with myself like before and after, like like how hungry do I feel now? How hungry do I feel at the end? You know, like I don't have a good um, awareness of my hunger level. Like some people... They understand. I watch my partner. She's a normie. She'll be picking up a spoon and like mid mid fork or spoon. She'll go, you know, I'm full now. I don't need this bite. And it'll go back down like in mid bite. I'm like, she's from another planet. You know, my definition is when the plate is completely clean and empty, then I'm done. Only if another plate isn't available, you know. So she's just um, people are different. So I start to at least get some sense. Often I find not even that hungry i just eat because it's lunchtime which that works and sometimes when it's over i'm just sad that i don't get to eat more it's not that i'm hungry i just like this was a good thing why does it have to end so but at least to have some awareness of what the heck's going on you know so that's that's the fifth one to check in with myself another thing i do is i try to twice a week usually on the weekends in the morning try to make a meal last an hour you know uh I'll sit there and play some music or be reading a book and I'll just try to read a couple pages of a novel or some book I like and then have a couple more bites, put it down, sip my coffee and I'll sort of play this game with myself. Can I have a meal span an hour? And I'm starting to really enjoy those hours. You know, like I just, you know, I'm alone. I, and usually it's a book for me. I just kind of read my book and sip my coffee and have my breakfast. And it's like a delightful hour a really delightful hour. And that's been a fun thing, like my breakfast hour. So 
And then, um, you know, the question I asked myself was, well, why am I doing this? And for me, the answer are, um, I, first of all, enjoy the food more, like it's just a better experience of doing one of my favorite things, eating, you know, my clothes are cleaner. I don't have to buy six packs of, uh, you know, shouted out anymore. I still have some around, but it's less and they last longer. It fits into the world better. There's something weird when you go to dinner with four people and three minutes into it, you like your plate is empty and they're going to go on for another half hour. You know, it's just like it's a better cultural fit because most of the world eats moderate papers. I think it's healthier for my digestion. Uh, I kind of believe that we were given teeth to chew things a few times, not to just take a chomp and swallow. So I think there's a reason we have teeth to chew things. So um, I just have a sense that's a good idea. And that's that's sort of like, you know, what mindful eating has been for me. It's been a journey. It started really slow. I still have to, I visualize my five steps in the morning, you know, and then I try to do them. Some days I completely forget it. I'm just stressed out, blah, blah, blah. And I fall back into it. But I would say more often than not, I have some level of this mindfulness thing. Because it's like five-step thing. It's like a lot to do every meal, quite honestly. But even if I do some of it, and my big acid test is at night after dinner, I look at my shirt and I go, wow, did I have a stain-free day? And most days now, I have stain-free days. That's like my most tangible metric on success versus... My God, I i mean, I literally, I just ruined clothes. I would, nice clothes sometimes, right? Like a dress shirt, you know, $30, nice dress shirt. Get a freaking stain on it. The dry cleaners, maybe you can get it out, you know? It was like upsetting to just ruin all these clothes. So if nothing more, that's a product. But I, I honestly feel like I enjoy my food better. And it's almost like a meditative practice to a certain extent. You know, meditation is not just sitting on pillows and uh, reading mantras and whatnot. It's, it's anything you want it to be. And I'll just repeat my little five-step process if that resonated with you. Step one, I look, breath one, you know, what is this I'm about to eat? Like looking at it, smelling it, being aware of it. Um, second is, how do I get it on my fork or spoon so it just goes to my mouth and isn't shared by my clothing? The third is, while it's in my mouth, how do I be aware? How do I chew on it slowly, taste it, you know, pause, feel the texture, the experience of actually eating it. Fourth is where do I put my utensils down so I'm aware where they go. And the fifth is the check-in of before, during, or after. How am I feeling through this food experience? Does just anyone have any questions? It's Maura. I'm a compulsive overeater. How do I do that at the time where it matters? Because I actually do reasonably well when I've done the whole thing on the plate, but it's like at the time when I'm ready to shovel in junk foods, nothing mindful is happening there. So <laughs> how do I access that? You, you mean to say like like between meals, if you're about to overeat, how do you overeat mindfully? Yeah. <laughs> so that it might not happen, for example. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think... That's not happening. I don't think there's such a thing as mindful binging. binging. I think it's actually the opposite. I quite like the notion, though. Thanks, someone. But I suppose if you are going to binge, if you do it slower, it would be different. May I ask a question? Um, For me, it's when I start to eat. It's that I I start and I go. And then, you know, even when I'm sitting at a meal, because I eat three meals a day, right? So when I'm sitting at a meal... Sometimes I'll just start eating and then and it'll just like something else will take over my mind completely. And it's like, I eat what I'm set to eat, 
but it's difficult to get into that mindfulness from the get-go. And it's like, when you have that kind of problem, like, is there some kind of a touchstone that you use or like, what can, what do you do before you eat so that you know that you're not going to slip into that? So, so two things, the really big thing is like, before I touch the food, really stop and try to, in my, my case, the five thoughts, the five steps, I try to breathe through them. But often in mid meal, I'll, I'll lose it and I'll find myself like back to, you know, shoveling. And then I, if I become aware that I'm doing that, right. Cause sometimes I'm not aware, like the plate's empty, you know, game over. But if I become aware, I just try to say, stop, like restart again. Like you can restart at any moment. Like, okay, put it down, sit back. Okay. Back to what am I about to eat to, you know, how do I eat it? You know, so it doesn't come off the fork, et cetera. So it's just a restart, just like a restart. Matthew has a question. Uh, yeah. I didn't know if you could give a little more detail about you, what you said you do in the morning when you meditate or walk the, the visualization that you do. Sure. So I literally, you know, in my mind's eye, I just imagine a meal and I just imagine that, okay, one, I'm going to, I close my eyes and think, imagine looking at it, asking myself, what's in it? You know, how's it prepared? What are the ingredients? Like if I need to move my fork around to see what's in that salad? Oh, there's some nuts in that salad. You know, like really visualize understanding what's in it. I, you know, I visualize how will I really get it on that fork cleanly? Am I going to need to cut pieces, fold something over, cut things in half? Like I really very literally think through how it will get on the fork in a way that doesn't you know, go on my clothing, like I'm, I call it a mouth size bundle. You know, the third, I think, okay, what are the ways to be mindful and visualize slower choose, more choose. I literally visualize it. The fourth, I visualize when I park the utensils, like where will they go? So the handle doesn't have dressing on it. And, uh, and then and that fifth one, that check in, how am I feeling before, during and after that awareness? So you just kind of like pre-visualize that like in the morning, you know, yeah. do you, do you know what you're going to eat? Is that how you can visualize? Like, do you, do you, is that part of your thing is planning what you eat in the mornings? No, I, I don't know what I'm going to eat. Okay. That's just because my partner makes our food and she's uh, she picks it, but I just, I just pick a hypothetical meal and just go. Through. Okay. All right. The video in my head, you know, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you're talking. Um, uh, this may sound weird, but I'm not been able to be abstinent. I still do occasional binges. They go in cycles. The things that I'm most likely to binge on are very bad for my health because I'm diabetic. So one of the things that I've been trying to do, and it is making some difference, is that when I am doing a binge, I try to pay attention to every mouthful if I can. And I am discovering that over time, I used to sort of force myself to get to the end of whatever I was eating. It didn't matter whether I was actually feeling, beginning to feel sick or not. And now there is some part of me that is starting to say, I don't feel good. I can't always stop, but sometimes I can. And I decided that that's part of what I have to do is really listen to that voice that's saying, do I, is this making me feel sick? And um, that's feeling important to me, to pay attention to that, even if I'm eating something I shouldn't be eating. And of course, 
the more that happens, the more I'm inclined to not want to eat something that makes me sick. But it's not the greatest solution, but at least it's a step in working and helping me. Just um, kind of a little bit to follow what Kathleen said. I'm aware that sometimes I make choices, particularly at restaurants, where it's more of a surprise of this portion they give you, is that afterwards I'll think, you know, I feel a little bit more than I need it. Or like I go to bed that night and I feel some indigestion. Maybe it's because it's spicy, made for different reasons. And I try to say, okay, lessons learned, note to self, don't have Indian food at 8 p.m. And if you do have Indian food at 8 p.m., don't order the this, this, and that. That was like a, not a good choice. Like I, I just call it lessons learned. Live and learn. You know, it's never going to be perfect, but live and learn. Next time, try to do it a little different. You know, that, that helps over time. It's a process, you know. Thank you for joining us today. To hear recordings of other speakers in this series, visit secularovereaters.org. And while you are there, please consider making a donation to support our work.